I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a message for all Marty Jones fans out there. Turn your TVC off right now because you're not going to like what's going to happen to your blue-eyed boy. WrestleMemus, Mark. Oh, sad news, what? Peter. It's the last day of WrestleMemus. No, I've got to go back to work <laughs> and get 2020. Go do the things we need to do. It's the day where we have to gather up all of our wrestling boots from over Christmas and put them out for the bin men. <laughs> all the old light tubes. All the light tubes. All, all the, the dead dogs. Wire, all the dog meat from 1999. <laughs> A very fine year. Um, welcome to the final episode of Wrestle Me Mass. Mm. Um, we are always, we, I mean, you know, not just the start of the new year, which is exciting, but for us, it represents a period where we no longer have to do one of Wrestle Me <laughs> which really, we do it every Christmas. We never learn our lesson. No, idiots. It's stupid. Us idiots. It's, it, we should be with our families now. Yeah. I mean, I know this but is we're... all irrelevant. It's January now. This is the last one. And we're not going to complain about it. Thank you for listening. We, 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 uh, we love you. Uh, and we're here to serve. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Let's like have a John look Cena. at <laughs> our final <laughs> match of WrestleMemus. And I said on an earlier episode, and this is absolutely true, that all of the matches that we were suggested, um, uh, that we've done for WrestleMemus, yeah. were suggested by everyone on Twitter. Um, but I actually have changed this last one, and it was just because I happened to watch this match the other the other week, and I just thought, I really want to talk about this. Right, yeah. um, And this is a match um, from World of Sport, British wrestling, uh, between the Dynamite Kid and Rollerball Rocco. Um, did you watch British wrestling when it was on? Was it? No, you're you're probably a bit too young, aren't no, you? No, WWE just or, or nothing really. And, and even then, I didn't really watch it back then either. So yeah, yeah I, my the world of sport that you, you talked about the world of sport is so sort of like alien to me. It may as well be Transworld Sport on Channel Four at five a.m. Yeah, I was like, Peter Brackley. Yeah, I worked briefly for Transworld Sport. Uh, I remember they were difficult about paying. I hope they're still not <laughs> still not going. <laughs> and then if they are, they don't have a good legal team. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I vaguely remember it as a kid, but I do remember I was not interested in it. It was sport. I mean, one of the worst mm. months of my life was when the 86 Olympics were on. I was 10 right. years old. And yeah. every time you turned on the television, it was just sport. Yeah, and back then I I, hate, like, I hated football. Like, I do a podcast yeah. about football. I didn't like football until 93. But you look back on that, you pretty much liked it the moment it stopped being free to air, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's really bad timing. It's exactly so stupid. Oh, now, now we have to pay for it. I'm 
well into it. I, I went to university the first year. Yeah, pay, you, you didn't get a grant. No. Unbelievable. <laughs> you are very much behind the curve. Uh, but <laughs> I, I'm the same with World of Sport. I mean, I mean, it's one of those things that I, you know, I just had no interest in. And things like Big Daddy. Oddly, I knew him best from the comic strip in Buster magazine. Yeah, you know, in comic they mm. had. Um, you know, he would go out essentially doing good deeds. I mean, th- thank- did they get money for that? Yeah, Did he get money for being in I mean, the I, 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 sh- I shouldn't think he got much. Be a huge amount. Buster money, will have said, you know, do you, what do you want to do? You know, give you a quid a year, and he'd have <laughs> yeah. gone, oh, lovely, enough for a nice Barnsley chop, <laughs> you know, <laughs> doffing his gold hat. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's back in the seventies and eighties when like personal appearances and stuff were all very confusing as to whether people got paid. It was all just, yeah, you know, that was exciting, you know, exciting <laughs> thing to go to a toy shop and sign your Darth Vader figure, um, <laughs> signed by Big Daddy. This is worthless. <laughs> <laughs> but in recent years, I've become really, really interested in, in British wrestling. I, I think it's because it does remind me of childhood, but it's also just a vanished era. Mm. I mean, if you look at American wrestling and the territory system and things, you know, there are still, you've still got WWE, that's still your thing. But what we had in Britain was we had a scene that had been around since the 20s that basically stopped in 1989 when mm. the WWF crash landed and did their first show, you know, on in on British soil. Um one of the, 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 the first people to wrestle for the WWF in 1989 on British shores was Rollerball Rocco. And he became a symptom, really, of the history that the WWF entirely wiped out in yeah. this country. And it's only recently things like YouTube have made it possible for us to go back and look at all of these great performers who just weren't remembered at all. Mm. A lot of the British wrestlers I remember when I was younger were very, very dismissive of WWF, that it was all, you know, these big muscle Marys, you know, stamping about the ring and hollering into the microphone, what's happened to the grappling? <laughs> and I was I was watching this, this match, and this match is a really important match, uh, not just for British wrestling, but for world wrestling. Yeah. And I was, I was looking at this and I was thinking, if you were one of those British wrestlers from the 70s and 80s, you, you, I, I remember thinking, you know, pathetic, you know, if they were any good, they'd, they'd be big wouldn't they? Mm. And they are artists. They are so fantastic. And I was, I've got more and more excited in it because it just seems like this lost world of men who do wrestling better than anybody else has ever done wrestling before. <laughs> One of those people is Mark Rollable Rocco. Mm. So he was known as the Manchester Mean Machine. He's a um, he, he's got a, a big handlebar moustache. He was a fourth generation wrestler. His great grandfather had been in the sort of like travelling circus and fairs, right. taking on all comers. His father was a wrestler called Jim Hussey, who had um, once wrestled Andre the Giant yeah. when Andre was very young in France. And Rollerball Rocco is we've talked before about Dynamite Kid and about how he changed the business, about how he introduced this high flying, fast paced hard-hitting, very technical wrestling that really is like modern wrestling today. If you took Dynamite Kid out of 1981 and put him in 2019, 2020, he would still be in the top echelon of workers. Mark Rollable Rocco is the guy who really invented the style that Dynamite Kid then took to the rest (laughs) of the world. And Rocco is one of those guys who is just, he's very much forgotten outside of the, you know, the the tiny world of just British wrestling fans. And you watch this match and you realise he was just one of the thousands of competitors in Britain who had just been given this generations of technique and skill that had gone from the 20s all the way through to the 80s. And it's just that living embodiment of wrestling history is Mark Rocco. And for some reason, basically, he's been forgotten. Mm. And so watching this match with him and Dynamite Kid, you can see, I mean, it's just 
fantastic. It's still state of the art, and it's from Christmas 1980. <laughs> the, the, the first thing you notice when you watch it as well is how different wrestling looked back then. Mm. How exciting! The the film through. A, Capstan cigarette <laughs> fog and do you really hear the bell ding? Yeah, you can't ding, hear. Ding. You can't see the. You can't see any of the crowd. No, at certain points you hear people shout out, but you, it's quite indistinct. At one point, I think in a, a different Rocco match that I was watching, you just hear someone going, "Come on, you big woman!" Like <laughs> These are like the you know the fact that on ITV you would go, "We're going over now live to Catford," and you would watch two men fighting in Catford. I mean, when was the last time? Catford was on telly, you know. It's just and the voice of Kent Walton over the top of it, which right. is a real thing that went through a long decades of British wrestling history. Is the voice of Kent Walton, right? That beautiful hello, Grapple fans, welcome. <laughs> uh, it's just lovely. And watching this match, what you have is a young Dynamite kid, pre really the steroids. So two years later, he'd be sort of fighting Tiger Mask in Madison Square Garden mm. for the WWF Light Heavyweight Championship by which time he's double the size. But here, what you have is the returning British hero who's been to Stampede in, in Canada for a brief period, who's been to Japan, who's getting a name, who has come back for a whistle-stop tour. I imagine he was visiting his kids for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and he takes on Rollable Rocco. And Rocco is fire and determination and innovation, and he is full on. And we know what Dynamite Kid is like. And watching the two of them do it, it's like... Two dynamite kids just <laughs> together. I mean, you know, it's unfair to call them two dynamite kids because Rocco is the one who invents that style. Mm. Two rollable Roccos in the ring. <laughs> just amazing. They're, I just like the fact that they're like, again, because you, you see these kind of like old old videos of like the big wrestlers back in the day. So mm. you, I've never seen anything like this uh, no. so early. No. And every, is... Like, you fl- like they, they, they do their move and they're back on their feet. Immediately, yeah. and you don't see you don't see that for the first half of the wrestle. All no, of the not at all. Watched. And the funny thing is, when when people talk about British wrestling, what you think of is you think of Big Daddy and you think of Giant Haystacks. Mm. What has been really sort of you know forgotten with that sort of glib way of doing it? It's like thinking all wrestling is Hulk Hogan. Yeah, you know what you're forgetting is the undercard, and the undercard were the guys who could really go. Mm. Um, Rocco's talked about Dynamite Kid. He'd say if we went to a venue, we would uh, turn up and we'd have our match. He said if they the next time they announced us that venue would sell out immediately yeah and this these this talent that laid underneath the two big sort of names of Haystacks and Daddy. Um, even, you know, your Jackie Palos and your, and your Mick McManuses, who were the generation before, mm. they were not the prime wrestlers. The prime wrestlers were people like um, uh, like Rocco, like um, um, Johnny Saint, Crybaby Jim Brakes. He was great. Um, <laughs> not gone so well for him. He's 80 now, and he's uh, he's on a murder charge in Grand Canary. Oh, stop uh, crying. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think, if anything, uh, probably a little bit more. He uh, murdered a woman <laughs> with a cup. Um, and <laughs> true, wow, I, I mean, it's mad. You know um, do that. But but those guys are the best of the best, and they they they'd taken all of that that lineage and sort of you know going back to sort of like Cornish wrestling and and you know the Snake Pit in Wigan, and it all comes together. And they are written out of history. Mm. So you, you even like when Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks were around, the little guys would be partners. Big Daddy isn't going to go out and do a ten-minute match with with you know another big bloke. What they're going to do is they're going to do a tag team match. So Dynamite Kid was a frequent partner of Big Daddy. Rocco was a frequent uh, opponent. 
with another big guy. Mm. And so the two lighter men would go out. They would make the match incredible. Then Daddy would tag in and get the pinfall. Uh, easy, you get to hear his theme tune. But it enabled <laughs> Daddy to, to actually have a match that was good by not being in it. Yeah. And these young guys got quite resentful about that because they realised that they were the backbone of British wrestling, not the silly big fat men who couldn't do anything. And people did come to see them. Um, Rocco has an amazing career in that he goes in the early 80s to New Japan where he becomes the um, opponent of Tiger Mask. He becomes Black Tiger. And he's there for a decade. Black Tiger was a gimmick that would later be given to Eddie Guerrero. But in that time, Rocco took his style to Japan and then it obviously came back through Tiger Mask and Dynamite Kid right. to America. You you just you cannot underestimate how good he is. And the number of the matches that I've seen that he, he's in, he just has no off switch. He is 100 miles an hour all the time. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70% of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on linkedin you'll miss out on great candidates like sandra start hiring professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com/people today ready to pop the question The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Um, William Regal, oddly, about a week ago, was on Twitter, and I typed in Rollable Rocco into Twitter. He's not on Twitter. He's still alive. Um, it, when you see pictures of him, he looks incredible. You know, if you've got, like, Craig Fairbrass comes back to EastEnders, you know those sorts of... And they're a bit older, and you go, he sort of looks good for an older guy. He's got a bit tanned, doesn't he? <laughs> Rollable Rocco, uh, in 1991, his career ended when he found out. He, he, he had a match with Fit Finley in Woking, mm. and he... Uh, was in a lot of pain afterwards, had pain in his kidneys and back. And he went to, he thought it was because of a pile driver he'd taken. And he went to the hospital and they actually found an undiagnosed heart condition. Huh. And so he had to quit immediately. Right. And so he gave up and he moved to Tenerife where he ran a car hire business. Um, <laughs> and that has obviously kept him looking great because he's been out in the sun. He looks dashing. If your mum came back in and she went, 
Uh, I've got bad news, Peter. I am leaving your father. Yeah, leaving um, Stewie for yeah. Rollerball Rocker. But the, uh, for, for Mark Rollerball Rocker, um, <laughs> <laughs> she would she might call him Mark Hussey. I'm leaving him for Mr. Hussey. That's his real name. <laughs> I'm leaving him. I'm, I'm leaving for Mr. Hussey. You would go, Mark. How can you? And he'd come in and you'd go, oh, he smells amazing. <laughs> Just really, oh, woody and leather. And, oh, super. Hey, Pete, do you want to have a little uh, pop in the old uh, Maserati? You've got a Maserati, <laughs> Mr. Hussey. You've got a Maserati. You've got a car. Oh, hi, business in Tenerife. You should come out. Um, his son's a, a quite successful amateur boxer. Right. And his other son is one of the DJs at Lineker's Bar. Yes. Run by Wayne Lineker. Um, so they're doing very well in Tenerife, which is Great nice to see. success. But he, um, under, this, under this mask, you know, he, he just, he, he uh, the, as I say, the gimmick was a taken by Eddie Guerrero. He just always seemed to be in slightly the wrong place at the wrong time. He goes to Japan, uh, which means he really doesn't sort of have time to go to America. So he never does the American thing. He could have been brilliant in Stampede where yeah. the, the Hart family um, ran um, and Dynamite Kid and David Boy Smith got their breaks. He decides in British wrestling, he sees the writing is on the wall, but instead of going to America in the early, late 80s, early 90s, he sort of goes to Wales and starts <laughs> being part of um, Orig Williams's sort of um, outlaw organisation. And it's just a sad thing. I saw him wrestle once. I saw him in the Boreham Wood in venue, uh, the Boreham Wood venue rather, in about 1991, so right at the end of his career, and he was astonishing. The mm. closest I can sort of like explain to what he's like is... It's a cross between Dynamite Kid and sort of, I don't know, um, Brock Lesnar. <laughs> He's just, <laughs> he was so much passion mm. and aggression. He, he talks actually in, in um, there's a brilliant book by John Lister, who is uh, a wrestling historian and, mm. and friend of the show, uh, which is called Till, uh, I always get this wrong and I actually wrote it down. <laughs> I can't see where it is. <laughs> it's called, and it's based on Kent Walton's phrase, Oh, Peter. Have a good week <laughs> till next week. Uh, and he talks about the first time, uh, Rocco, the first time he ever sees Dynamite Kid. And he said he was at a show and uh, it was at Christmas time. And he looked up and he sees a Christmas tree and there's a kid about 13 or 14 and he's poking his head through the Christmas tree. And Rocco says to him, just, you know, be careful with the with the tree there, lad. <laughs> and uh, Dynamite Kid, who is 13, jumps on his neck and breaks it like he did with Kurt Hennings that time. He leans out and he goes, go on, fuck off. <laughs> to a wrestler. Amazing stuff. So the two men did have a rivalry, and they had a rivalry because I think they both realised how good the other was. Right. You know, they could really see. And when they get in there together, there's a bit that he does, which I've never seen anyone else do, and I've only seen him do. And mm. it's a great little wrestling trick, which is they have a break, and as he walks past Dynamite Kid, he just hits him with a knee. Like a swipe, and it's so shitty, and it's so uh, it's so amazing because you just go, oh, you're the bad guy. Yeah, you don't look like it, but you're the bad guy. You know, and it's there's so many bits in this match that it's really odd that Dynamite Kid is not the one who you're watching when you watch it. Yeah, you just watch Rollerball. He it's, is it's amazing, very stiff. Like, not, oh. sti not not like uh, as in bad, but just very stiff, violent yeah. moves in this one. And the ring does oh. not look like it gives anything. Well, I mean, the very fact that the referee who is who is getting on a bit will not go on the floor. He will not jump down <laughs> on the floor with his knees. He just stands there and goes one, two. He really lazy. <laughs> But I mean, I mean, the moves they do. I think they start off with a sort of like hammer locker, sort of a, an armbar, and, and it's just they look really painful and horrible. Yeah. By the time they're doing backdrops, which are moves that you see in every match, yeah. you know, it does a backdrop and it just leads to something else. When they do a backdrop in this, it's like it reminds you. Oh yeah, you're you're doing basically you're falling six and a half feet onto your back. Yeah. And everything about 
Every single move in it. William Regal talks about this, and he's always said, study, you know, study the great guys like like Marty Jones, like um, Fit Finley, and, you know, like Rollable Rocco, mm. which is every move has to mean something. You, if you do a move, it has to, you have to sort of respect the move, the integrity of the move. If you're going to take a move, then make it count. If you're going to give a move, then make it count. And these guys, everything they do, there is no... A, there's, I mean, there's absolutely no breathing. There's no downtime. Mm. But there is, there is no wasted motion. It's just a, just a clinic. The fact that this sort of... I keep hitting my mic because I'm getting She's really excited. emphatic about it. <laughs> the, the fact that, like, the WWF comes along and we had this stuff. This is a decade before the WWF comes along with Hulk Hogan and, mm. you know, Randy Savage and the Ultimate Warrior. I mean, if you were Mark Rollable Rocco, you'd go, a decade ago, I reinvented this business. Yeah. Now look at the Ultimate Warrior and he's dragging it back <laughs> to fucking Stone Age. Um, there is a, a – I mean – Rocco is, is you, I mean, the number of things I've read recently online that are like, here are the eight greatest wrestlers you've never heard of. And he's at number four. And so what culture did a list mm. uh, of that? And they, they just say um, his, you know, he, because he never wrestled in the, in the United States, his place in wrestling history has been slightly lost. But they sort of say he is one of the most influential stars in Britain's history. Um virtually changed the future of pro wrestling by bringing together Japanese physicality, British fluidity and Mexican athleticism into a new style that still has an undeniable presence today. Um, he was a major, if not the major, influence on the cruiserweight style that would be popularised in the US by the Dynamite Kid and Eddie Guerrero. And I always think with someone like Rollable Rocco, he's still alive, he looks really healthy, you see him at wrestlers' reunions every now and then, he'll give an interview here and there. He's very humble and I think you know he, he just seems like a really nice guy. He just, I just want, I just want him <laughs> to get the credit he's due because he will, you know, eventually, like Dynamite Kid did last year, Mark Rocco, because he's human and made of carbon and atoms, he will eventually one day no longer be here. Yeah. He will die. And then everyone will turn around and go, he really was one of the greats. So this is my basic thing that I want to do is to just say, can everyone start doing nothing but watching Rollable Rocco. And <laughs> if you do anything where someone says, do you watch wrestling? Don't say, yes, I do, or say, yes, I quite like WWE, or say, yeah, I'm really into, just say, Rollable Rocco! <laughs> <laughs> Every answer has to be Rollable Rocco. Um, I, I just, I, I, I can't tell you how good it is. William Regal said that one of the best matches, I think it's his favourite match of all time, is a match between Rollable Rocco and Marty Jones. And I, I had a watch of that one, but it's not as fun because it's not got Dynamite Kid. Mm. Um, only because Marty Jones is is you know it's a longer match and I think it was just you want to get people hooked in because you just have to see Rollable Rocker for five minutes and then you are Rollable Rocker for life. <laughs> oh, did you like Rollable Rocker? I did enjoy. Rollable. <laughs> I really thought you were going to say no. <laughs> no. No, I'm, no, I'm more of a dynamite kid guy. I, was like, <laughs> I did go around and watch a few of their uh, other matches and stuff and watched uh, again. I, I watched Kurt Hennig get his neck broken by a yeah. dynamite kid. It was horrible. Oh yeah. Oh, oh dear me. <laughs> but no. Uh, yeah. Uh, just one last one. One very, very last thing is um, uh, there is uh, a little mention of uh, Mark Rocco and the WWF in Hitman Hart's book, Hitman, My Real Life in the Cartoon World mm. of Pro Wrestling. And I think it's one of the saddest stories in the history of wrestling. Right. Uh, so uh, he says, the WWF was just beginning to get over big in the UK 
I couldn't help but see a glimpse of the future in the past when Rollerball Rocco and a bunch of the English boys dropped their bags into the dressing room. Pat Patterson had hired them to work the opening dark match. Rollerball's Black Tiger gimmick had long since died in Japan and now he and the other lads toiled endlessly for a few quid, crisscrossing the UK riding four to a car. In the WWF dressing room, they wore envious expressions that reminded me of pack horses who suddenly found themselves corralled and corralled with groomed Clydesdales. Roller's face lit up when Hulk Hogan came into the dressing room. They'd been good buddies in Japan, and Roller had no doubt bragged to everybody that he and Hulk were friends. But that was millions of dollars ago. Sadly, Hulk barely remembered him. The dejection on Roller's face was pitiful. And I look at that and I just go, the reality is, you know, you meet the best wrestler in the world and you don't have the fucking balls hulk hogan to remember who he is yes i switched it you thought i was talking about hulk hogan no, i no. never did never did oh i should have said out there <laughs> that's exactly the sort of thing that i need i need lessons from rollable rocker <laughs> on how to make everything in my life better switcheroo yeah i am um, I, I, he he is still going he's looks incredibly fit and i hope he's here for years but i hope he's i hope he's around long enough to see his legacy cemented as just one of the greatest British wrestlers uh, of all time. And actually, no, I mean, fuck that, because that's the problem with this. He's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. The British scene, if you're not into it, it's the most rewarding thing you can ever watch. I, I know Japan is great fun, and I know like the territories and the 70s and 80s are brilliant, but if you're British and you're not constantly watching British wrestling and trying to work out its history, then you are a traitor. <laughs> uh, worth saying as well, all of the world of sports stuff is, um, I think it's owned by ITV. Mm. And they have it basically... And they fuck all with it, They I are imagine. indeed. And I believe, apparently, when people have said, is there any chance that we could have a look and, you know, we're looking for this, they're like, it's not even catalogued. So, um, cool. So all I'm saying is, uh, it fits in with my traitor point, but ITV, yeah. you, you are absolutely on my list of people who are first with their backs against the wall <laughs> when the British wrestling revolution takes over. Oh... <laughs> Fantastic stuff. I enjoyed that, Mark. Yay, that was great fun. Well, thank you very much for spending the 12 days mm. of Wrestle Me Mass uh, with us. And mm. look, guys, we don't say this because we record these at all different times, but hey, we hope you had a fucking brilliant Christmas. Yeah. We have an amazing 2020. It was a difficult run-up for everyone, I think, in, in, into Christmas, and Christmas is a hard time for everybody mm. um, for various different reasons. And yeah, look after yourselves. Yeah. We'll be back have very a great soon. one. Look, we're going to be back. You might look at it and just go, oh, I really want to leave Britain and everything. Well, um, annoyingly, you can also get WrestleMe abroad, so we're not going to stop you. <laughs> but you've got to stay because WrestleMe is here to stay mm. until we run out of WrestleManias. Yeah, I'm serious. If you are American, can you tell all your friends? Because <laughs> we want that sweet tour. Oh, don't we? It'd be I'll amazing. Tour. All right, then. We're out of here. Nick Gage is going to come and he's going to kill you. <laughs> oh, no, I forgot what I said about Nick Gage. WrestleMe, Pete! WrestleMe, Miss Mark! Hi Andy, just wanted to know how much your failed wrestling career uh, had an impact on your desire to succeed in uh, in your tennis career. <laughs> that is a classic annoying brothers question. Yeah. What's he talking about there? Were you wrestling when you were kids? What? 
So he's 15 months older than me, and we used to do everything together, all, all sports, obviously. Ah, played, look at this. Yeah, there we go. So we played, yeah, tennis, golf, whatever. But he was a bit older than me, so he was always a bit smarter, a bit stronger, mm-hmm. and beat me at everything. Wrestling was one of those things, and he yeah, never let me, never let me win. But we used to, like, <laughs> jump off the top bunks onto our mattresses and stuff, and, yeah, 